0: that if I did not vote for Joe Biden, we would be plunged into World War III. And they were right. I did not vote for Joe Biden, and we might very well be plunged into World War III. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I am Michael Knowles. In person right now, Senator, it's good to see you face-to-face. Likewise. Especially as... Welcome to Texas. It's good to be in the free state of Texas, coming from the free state of Tennessee, having fled the very not-free state of California. Amen. And you know what? No one's asked for your papers. And, Senator, I will ask you completely straight two questions. One, are we going to war with Russia? Two, should we go to war with Russia? Well, question
4: number one, I hope not. Um but what biden is doing is a mess question number two absolutely not Hmm. so on the question of should we send american soldiers uh into ukraine to defend ukraine hell no is my answer to that i think that that makes no sense at all Uh, the fact that we're even contemplating it shows how messed up what biden is doing is and and you know, often the media paints things in a binary sense that either we send, send in the Marines yeah. or we do nothing. And American foreign policy, we got lots of tools other than military conflict. And so what Biden should have done that he screwed up is something we've talked about on the pod before, uh, which is stand up to Putin and, and stop the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And, and to, to understand what's happening in Ukraine, I think you gotta step back a little bit and have a little bit of history and context. Putin is a KGB thug. Um, He has said repeatedly, he thinks the greatest geopolitical disaster of the 20th century is the dissolution of, of the Soviet Union. He longs for days of Soviet greatness. Russia right now is a much smaller country, a much less influential country. They got nukes and they got gas, but they're not the Soviet Union. And he wants to rebuild it. And and when he looks at the former parts of the Soviet Union, there's nothing that he longs for more than Ukraine, the breadbasket, the prize. Look, Ukraine was a very important part of the Soviet Union. Putin wants it back. He invaded Ukraine in twenty fourteen. You remember Crimea? In 2014, he- mar- he. I,
0: I remember Crimea. I, I, then Crimea went away and became part of Russia. Well,
4: it did. He invaded Crimea and made it part of Russia. It used to be part of Ukraine. Now it's part of Russia. By the way, as an aside, do you know the right way to call it? Ukraine or the Ukraine?
0: I always mess this up.
4: I always say the Ukraine. But that's not what you're supposed to so call So unfortunately, you're a Soviet if you say that. <laughs> I know. Deep so, down. So, 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 so actually, Ukrainians feel very passionately about this yeah. because- the Russians refer to it as the Ukraine because it's a region of the Soviet Union. Right. Whereas Ukrainians refer to it as Ukraine because it's not a region, it is its own damn country. So it's a funny funny little
0: uh, linguistic right. differentiator. And and you know, we know very well how language can shape politics. This is something the left yeah. has used for decades, political correctness. Yep. Just those subtle linguistic changes yep. can totally reframe a debate.
4: So- When Putin invaded Ukraine in 2014, he didn't go all the way. He didn't go into Kiev. he didn't invade the whole country. And and the reason is that Russia's biggest export is natural gas and oil. And, And to get the natural gas to Europe, it goes through pipelines going right through the middle of Ukraine. And so if he invaded Ukraine, he risked damaging or destroying those pipelines and shutting off his ability to get to market. So he stopped. But the next year, 2015, is when he started Nord Stream 2. And Nord Stream 2 is a pipeline, it's under the ocean, and it, it, it was built to go from Russia straight to Germany and it skips Ukraine. That's the in, convenient. The entire reason he's building Nord Stream 2 is to not need the Ukrainian pipeline so he can get his gas to Europe and then he can invade Ukraine. Well, fast forward to 2019. 2019, the pipeline is nearly complete. Folks in the West say this is a terrible thing, but there's nothing we can do to stop it. I introduced legislation to stop it. Targeted sanctions on the company building the pipeline. Get bipartisan support. Democrats, Republicans, it passes the House, it passes the Senate. Donald Trump signs it into law. I remember it was a Thursday night, 7 p.m. that Trump signed it. Putin stopped building the pipeline at 6.45 p.m. Wow literally 15 minutes before the sanctions were signed because if the company had kept building the pipeline, they would have been bankrupted. The Mm -hmm. sanctions would have destroyed the company. That's what they were written to do. And so the sanctions worked. And for over a year, the pipeline was dead. It was literally just a hunk of metal at the bottom of the ocean. Then Joe Biden comes into the White House, sworn in January 20th, 2021, four days later, January 24th, Putin begins building the deep sea pipeline again. And the reason is because Biden had telegraphed weakness. He telegraphed that he wasn't willing to stand up to, to Putin on the pipeline. And that telegraphing was right because last summer, he, Biden formally waived the sanctions on Nord Stream 2, which is what allowed Putin to finish building the pipeline. If you wanna know, why their Russian troops, why they're tanks on the border of Ukraine right now, why they're preparing
0: to invade, it's because Joe Biden gave that pipeline to Putin. So, so that's not the end of the story, because, okay, Biden comes in, he looks weak, Putin goes in, he's almost finished his master plan, but you just forced a vote yep. on this issue. There was bipartisan support not so long ago to stop Nord Stream 2. Now, not quite so much.
4: Well, that's right. So now the only thing different is instead of a guy with an R behind his name, you got a guy with a B- D behind his name. Yeah. And look, obviously we listened to for four years to Democrats screaming Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, now Democrats, you can decide, do you want to sanction Russia, Russia, Russia? Or do you want to give billions of dollars to Putin and give them the green light to invade Ukraine. And by the way, you know we had a whole impeachment on Ukraine. Remember Barisma,
0: Hunter Biden. I, I lost track of all the impeachments. It was, I, it was, it, there it, were a lot
4: of them, yeah. The Ukrainian president and prime minister explicitly begged the Senate, begged Senate Democrats, pass Cruz's sanctions. If you wanna stop the invasion of Ukraine, pass the sanctions on Nord Stream 2. So we have the vote on the Senate floor. The Democrats are in agony. We win the vote, 55 to 44. So we get a significant bipartisan majority. We get six Democrats who vote with us. But it didn't pass. Why? Because the Democrats filibustered it.
0: They demanded 60 votes. Senator, this is not possible because I was told by the Democrats the filibuster is an evil, racist, antiquated tool that should be abolished, sent to the ash heap of history.
4: Even the cynical reporters in Washington were doubled over laughing because it was the same day. You had Democrats standing up saying, the filibuster is a Jim Crow relic. We're filibustering right now. Like, like they didn't even give it 48 hours. Wow. It, it, was, it was simultaneously, um, they were doing it. What's fascinating though, about the vote. So the six Democrats we got, we got every single Democrat running in a vulnerable state who's on the ballot in November. So we got Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada, voted with us. We got Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire, voted with us. We got Mark Kelly in Arizona, voted with us. We got Raphael Warnock in Georgia. This is a socialist. And Warnock is so far to the left, it, it, there aren't words to describe it. Right. But they're all on the ballot. Huh. So it's amazing. We got six Ds. You know who we didn't get? Who? Mansion or cinema? Hmm. Both Joe and Kirsten voted against this. And and the crazy thing, Michael, the White House spent so much political capital on this. Joe Biden came to the Capitol the day of the vote. He was there in person, literally one-on-one twisting Democrats' arms, trying to get them, vote with Russia, vote with Putin, vote in favor of my surrender to Russia. It's asinine. But now the Biden White House finds themselves in in a completely untenable position because they've given the green light for Putin to essentially erase Ukraine from the map. And there's still time to fix it. We could sanction and stop Nord Stream 2
0: tomorrow, but at least so far, the Biden White House isn't willing to do so. Is the Biden calculation here that yes, this is gonna be a disaster, yes, it's gonna be several bad news cycles, but ultimately, People just don't really care. People don't pay attention to foreign policy. It's all complicated, move along, move along. Is that, is that the thought process? Candidly,
4: I don't know their thought process. And Maybe I gotta tell you, one. in the Senate, people are, are flabbergasted, Republicans, but Democrats will candidly admit, what in the hell are they doing? Hmm. Hmm. Like, like this was the two sanctions legislation I passed were overwhelmingly bipartisan. They were 99 to one. The only no is Rand Paul. Rand doesn't like sanctions across the board, but all the Democrats were with me and all the Republicans but Rand were with me. Senate Democrats, when you talk to them, Hmm. they're beside themselves. And and I, I for the life of me, don't understand why Biden did this. The the best theory I have is is, is a guy on my team, He, he, he jokes, he says, the Democrats in the Biden White House they have votive candles of Angela Merkel under their beds. <laughs> like, like they just, like left-wing democratic foreign policy, they view Angela Merkel yeah. as, as this, this, this Mother Teresa, like, saint. Give Germany control of Europe. What could go wrong? Right. That's uh, the, yeah, North you know, I mean, we, we have no bad history with that at all. Um, what's funny, though... So their argument, when it started, it was really two things. It was number one, everything Trump did was bad. This is the Biden operating position. So if Trump was for sanctioning this, we got to lift the sanctions because they just, they start with reverse everything that worked. If Trump did, it it must be bad. Uh And then secondly, Germany really wants this pipeline. Hmm. Merkel really wants this pipeline. Now what's fascinating, and by the way, the rest of Europe doesn't. So Hmm. When Biden waived the sanctions, Ukraine and Poland put out statements saying, this is a security crisis and you are inviting Russia to invade. So Ukraine and Poland are, are beside themselves. European Parliament voted on Nord Stream 2, c- voted to condemn it 550 to fifty. So over 90% voted to condemn this pipeline. So it's literally just Angela Merkel. And and the one good thing they got was was goodwill from Germany. And then here's, here's the kicker. People of Germany voted and Angela Merkel's party got voted out of power. So she's not even the head of Germany anymore. She's not the chancellor anymore. She's the former chancellor. So we got goodwill with the former head of Germany who the German people have voted out of power. The new government is a coalition government and it's all over the place on Nord Stream 2, but it's in coalition with the Greens. Hmm. Foreign minister is a Green. The Greens hate the pipeline. So the current (laughs) government of Germany is actually schizophrenic on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what's very funny is is there are a bunch of lefty Democrats in the Senate who hate pipelines. Like I asked a couple of the real lefties, I'm like, is this really the only pipeline on earth you support? (laughs) It, like, you want to shut down every pipeline Keystone, in America.
0: no way. But, but,
4: but, but the one that gives Putin the green light to invade Ukraine, you're good with that mm-hmm. one, right? <laughs> and by the way, no Democrat has a response on the merits. Like, when I make the case to them? They can't argue. It's pure... I think the White House started by wanting to make nice with Germany, and then it was stubbornness. Then they just dug in. The Democratic senators won't admit this publicly, but privately almost to a person, they don't understand why the Biden White House spent so much political capital on this, only to be left with the responsibility for a Russian invasion. And, you know, going back to your opening question, I worry that Biden, because he's gonna own this mess, you know, the pottery barn rule, you break it, you buy it. (laughs) Biden broke it. I'm worried he's gonna to respond to that by sending US soldiers in harm's way, which would be asinine and wrong. What we ought to do right now, sanction Nord Stream 2, we can still stop it because it hasn't been certified. And number two, we ought to be providing lethal military weapons to the Ukrainians. I don't want American soldiers to die fighting the Russians, but if Ukraine wants to defend itself, we ought to give them the tools to fire bazookas at the, at the tanks coming in and let the Ukrainians and the Russians fight. That, that Ukraine has a right to defend itself and, and it is in our interest for them to have the tools to do it. Biden is slow walking defense and actually, so he's combining it with threatening to send in our troops but also a degree of appeasement. So Russia hmm. is demanding things like pull troops out of Poland, pull troops out of the Baltics, pull troops out of NATO, basically abandon NATO. To Putin, and I am very concerned that Biden I- is a graduate of the Neville Chamberlain School of Foreign Affairs, <laughs> and that doesn't work well.
0: It does not. It Seems to be the worst of all possible worlds. Uh, it, actually,
4: it. it uh, you know, I I I did a couple of weeks ago. I sent out on Twitter a, a, p- a picture of 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 Chamberlain uh, waving a paper and saying, "We have peace in our time," because that that really is Joe Biden. He's he mm-hmm. he is. Uh, Offering
0: Putin the Sudan land and, and that'll work just great. It, long history of that. Yeah, just, uh, just wait to see how, how that story yeah. unfolds. So thank you to everyone who has submitted questions in the mailbag. We will be getting to them. We always run so far behind. We never get to our mailbag questions, but we have plenty. Senator, we have been so derelict in our... Que- I want to go rapid fire. We've got many, many questions to get to. First one up. Is there a problem with President Biden saying that he will nominate a black woman to be the next Supreme Court justice. And I think the insinuation here is, if I, if I have a company, I'm not allowed to say uh, I'm only going to hire white guys or Asian women. So is there a, a, a Title VII argument to be made about the Supreme Court nomination? You know, it, it,
4: it is an interesting and, and creative angle on it. Look, the answer is probably that title seven doesn't apply to presidential <laughs> nominations, but it is true. If any company put up an ad, only black women need apply. Only white men need apply. You'd be sued and you'd lose. Right. But like you can't discriminate. Um, a political appointment doesn't fall under, under title seven. At least no one has ever argued that it did, but the principle is the same. It, it's nakedly discriminating and, and, I think it's completely wrong, and it's also unfair to whoever he nominates right. will be known forever as an affirmative action pick. He's not going to say this is the most qualified person because he's already specified that you
0: know 90-plus percent of the population doesn't count. Right, right, and, and they're not up for it at all. Number two, for, this is from Doodlebug. I assume that's not his Christian name. I assume that's a pseudonym. Doodlebug or roly-poly? What do you call the little creatures? <laughs> I like Doodlebug.
4: It's a regional thing. It It depends where you are. So we got two doodle
0: bugs. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) So the third doodle bug says, what is going to be done in Congress about the middle of the night flights of illegal aliens? Will DOJ bring any investigation or charges? Our small rural communities now are dealing with it in our public schools, having to accommodate the influx. Yeah, look, will DOJ? No. Uh, DOJ is complicit in it. This
4: administration, it really is sad. Merrick Garland, it has become an intensely political and partisan attorney general. And it it is continuing the deep politicization of the Department of Justice that we saw under Obama. It's gotten worse under Biden. Hmm. Um, We are seeing illegal immigrants being flown all over the country. They're often flown in dead of night. Local elected officials, state elected officials are often kept in the dark about it. The federal government's not gonna do a damn thing. I do think there's a role for state leaders, for, fe- for local leaders to shine a light on it, to resist it, to fight. I mean, you know, you remember I introduced uh, legislation in the Senate to make legal ports of entry, places like Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket <laughs> and Cupertino and yeah. Silicon Valley. And, and, you know, all of these, these leftists who are, who are sitting there sipping Chardonnay you know, if it's such a wonderful thing to have mm-hmm. open borders, then I think two million illegal immigrants in Martha's Vineyard would be really lovely. <laughs> and, and 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 actually, one of the local politicians, I think it was in the Vineyard or one of these
0: shishi places, um, said, oh, yes, we would welcome our fair share. Something tells me while they're sipping Chablis there uh, over the summer, they, they don't really understand what the consequences of that would be. No. And they'll never have to deal with it. Now... This is probably the most important question that has been posed, certainly today, if not in the history of the show. Very important one to a lot of people in the room. Should Pete Rose and Barry Bonds, and I would add Roger Clemens, be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Of course they should. Thank you. Thank you very much. But look, they were incredible baseball players. Yes.
4: Uh, On any measure, they're among the best baseball players to ever play the game. Um, Look, Barry Bonds, the guy could swing a bat, like it was a Thor's hammer. <laughs> um, and it was in the steroid era, so fine. He got he got some grief for it. The percent of other players, you know, if someone's going to go through and throw out every player in the Hall of Fame who, who used some form of steroids, mm-hmm. the yeah. Hall of Fame would be much, much smaller. Empty. <laughs> By the way, if you threw out every senator who used some form of steroids, well, that'd, that'd be a different issue. But, uh, <laughs> you know, listen, it... Uh, I think the Hall of Fame should recognize excellence, and if you want to put an asterisk on it and say, judge for yourself, fine, but the records they achieved, (laughs) that should be
0: recognized. Uh, From Dior, Dior writes, assuming a scenario of a Cruz-Knowles administration, and well, that's very kind, thank you. I I will say I am constitutionally ineligible Dior. I'm a little, a a lady never tells her age. I'm a little young, uh, but uh, but I, I guess... Uh, these days, no one pays any attention to the Constitution anyway, so uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, it's a living Constitution. Uh, it's a living Constitution. You, you're, uh, you're 35 in dog years. <laughs> I identify as 55. There you go. Uh, Dior asks, in this uh, hypothetical administration, what sort of sanctions would you impose on China for facilitating the spread of COVID-19 to the rest of the world? And what responsibility would, should the U.S. assume for funding the research Potentially, that caused it, or similar research to what caused it. Yeah, both fabulous questions. Um,
4: I think China's culpability in COVID is massive, and we don't know the full scale of it. Yeah. Uh, what is unequivocal is that China has culpability in terms of covering up the spread of COVID when it when the outbreak occurred in Wuhan. That 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 is indisputable. Uh, what the evidence strongly suggests is that COVID originated escaped from a Chinese government lab in Wuhan. And we, by the way, on verdict, we talked
0: about this, I think, what, March, uh, two years ago? We talked about it when it was a wild conspiracy theory. One of the lessons of the past few years is that the difference between a wild conspiracy theory and the truth is about six to nine months. And <laughs> so we, we called it a little early and it turned out to be right. And that was at the time when, when Dr. Fauci
4: was asking Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook to silence anyone from discussing the Wuhan Institute for Virology right. and laying out the evidence, which, you know, March, two years ago, we walked through the evidence that didn't conclusively prove that it escaped from the Wuhan Institute for Virology, but it, it was a strong circumstantial case, and it merited significant investigation. Um, at this point now, so yep. that was a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theory, now pretty much everyone acknowledges it. Yeah, but, Like they were forced to acknowledge that the overwhelming weight of the evidence is that it escaped from a Chinese lab. The next threshold, and this has not been proven, but I think there is significant evidence to suggest not just that it escaped from a Chinese lab, but that it was genetically modified and created in a Chinese lab. That it was gain-of-function research, taking, taking a coronavirus and making it more Lethal, making it more tra- uh, transmittable, making it more, more uh, susceptible to humans. We don't know that for sure,. Yep. Um, there are scientists who have argued there are genetic markers in it that suggest that, that, that it was created in a lab. I'll confess I'm not a scientist. I, I don't know enough to evaluate their claims. Um, but I sure think scientists who do should evaluate the claims. Like I've read, you know, read what they've written, and it, and it sounds It sounds credible enough to merit a real investigation. All of that needs to happen, and and I believe, by the way, those scientists ought to be testifying in front of the Judiciary Committee. So we have legislation in the Judiciary Committee to allow lawsuits against China for COVID, for the lives lost, for the trillions of dollars in damage uh, that, that COVID caused. And I think if it can be conclusively demonstrated that not only did it escape, which they could argue was probably accidental, but that they made the damn thing. Right. um, That should lead to very substantial liability. Um, Democrats run the Judiciary Committee. Their interest in holding China accountable for COVID is zero. Yeah. Dick Durbin's the chairman. He won't hold a hearing on that. He has no interest in a hearing on that. If Republicans win in November, I think we will. Um, I very much believe we will have hearings on that a year from now. We need to have hearings on that a year from now. I'm certainly going to press for it. And, you know, the question about the U.S.'s responsibility. Perhaps the more interesting question. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, um,
0: that's an interesting question. Because that's, you will remember, Senator, uh, one of your colleagues was grilling Dr. Fauci, And uh, Dr. Fauci said, we have never funded any gain-of-function research (laughs) Thank from from New York. You know, most of my family sounds like Dr. Fauci. And so he he says, we've never funded any gain-of-function research. And uh, your colleague, Rand Paul, said, well, what about this guy? What about uh, Dr. Barrick? What about this? I have the receipts. You obviously funded this research. And you saw Fauci's eyes go bug-eyed. And he said, said, well, uh, 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 no, we never funded it. And all the gain-of-function we funded was totally fine. Well, hold on a sec, you seem to have contradicted yourself, You're, you didn't fund it, but the the gain of function you funded was fine. He, it seems quite clear, we've got the grants. We've got the grants that were given by NIAID, Fauci's agency, for EcoHealth Alliance to engage in gain of function research. So obviously, Fauci has no credibility on this now, and it, it's just a little suspect that they were that they were engaging in this kind of research with U.S. dollars at the Wuhan Institute.
4: How the hell is it that the EcoHealth Alliance has not been dragged in front of Congress to testify? Yeah. How how is any Democrat? Look, they control the gavels. We can't c- call hearings. Right. But to be clear, Republicans controlled the gavels, and we didn't call hearings either. So I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not exonerating the Republican Party. We've got too many timid. Timid chairman on the Republican side, and then we've got completely complicit chairman on the Democratic side. Hmm. But Eco Health Alliance ought to stand there and testify under oath, and if they want to plead the fifth, do it on national television. Right. But but it the complicity and, and what's come out also is is the involvement of the Eco Health Alliance in silencing anyone laying out the evidence that this escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, anyone laying out the arguments for gain-of-function research, I mean, this is, the corruption on this stinks to high heaven, and the media does no work. The, no one in the media will cover this. They don't care. You know, they'll win Pulitzer Prizes for running stories that are piles upon piles of lies about Russia collusion that we now know are lies. The Steele dossier completely fictional piece of garbage that that multiple Pulitzer Prizes were awarded to fake journalists for for printing newspapers about, but none of these outlets actually cover this stuff. So we need, number one, we need um, venues like the Daily Wire and those right of center, center who actually are doing the job that places like the New York Times are supposed to do, Thank you. Go on. Go on, please. We need serious investigative journalism on EcoHealth Alliance, on Fauci, on the funding of gain of function. I've been pressing Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice, on the face of it. It appears that that Fauci lied under oath to Congress. That's a felony punishable by up to five years in prison. If DOJ were actually following the law, they would investigate him. Did he commit the felony? And and Garland all but laughed at me when I asked if he would do that because... Unfortunately, under Joe Biden, the DOJ is all politics all the time. Right.
0: Uh, on your point about the media, this follows closely from Matt. He says, what cultural commentators and thinkers should we be reading? Uh, certainly living, but let's say the dead ones too. Uh, cultural commentators.
4: Um, well, Michael Knowles. Stop it. Go on. What a um, setup. I know. Um,
0: Matt is my pseudonym.
4: Look, Ben Shapiro's terrific. Um, I think Ben is one of the the best thinkers out there. Um, you're not going to like this, but I, I love Steven Crowder. He cracks me up. Steve, I love the man. I love him. It, it, he's it, a complete
0: maniac, and he's, he is one of the few actual comedians out there. He's, and he's funny. He's very funny, yeah.
4: Um, I, I will say when I did what, what's the late night show you guys do where you, you smoke cigars and drink backstage
0: show that you have been on.
4: I have been on it. It's very cool. You smoke cigars and and drink scotch, but, but you, you know, you did have as my ashtray, a Steven Crowder (laughs) mug, which, which I do like you guys giving, giving grief back and forth. It's a great ashtray. Listen, one of the most important social commentators today in America is Joe Rogan. Hmm. And, and Joe Rogan, I, I don't know Rogan, um, He's a Bernie bro. He endorsed Bernie Sanders. So so (laughs) he's not a man of the right. Hmm. But he's willing to speak the truth. And I actually think one of the... There's an old line that a conservative is a liberal who got mugged. I think one of the greatest things for truth in the republic is when CNN slandered him for taking ivermectin for COVID, <laughs> and they called it a horse dewormer. And he saw directly that the corporate media, yeah. they are liars, they are corporate propagandists, and and facts don't matter. And I think that the sort of personal saliency of that as yeah. as, as, as he saw that, I think that radicalized him in, in a good way to understand, wait a second, these people that are supposed to be the arbiters of truth are precisely the opposite. They are propagandists and they don't care. That's really beneficial and he's got a big megaphone.
0: And to, to call Ivermectin horse medicine, it's, it would be like calling aspirin horse medicine. Sure, there are uh, applications of this to animals, but uh, to quote Joe Rogan, I can afford people medicine. And then he used an expletive, which we'll leave out. This is a family show. Well,
4: you know, water is also horse liquid. (laughs) It's true. Because you feed it to horses. So,
0: So clearly that's what water is all about. Final question, Senator. This is from Bethany. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck were forced to give all his earnings to a socialist government versus if he were allowed to keep the earnings of his labor? That's a damn good question. <laughs> um,
4: capitalism works <laughs> A woodchuck would chuck as much wood as
0: he would chuck If he was allowed to be free If he could and work, If he could chuck mm-hmm. Who's chuck On that very brilliant note I'm Michael Knowles <laughs> Thank you for tuning in This is Verdict with Ted Cruz